Hello and welcome everyone to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. Oh, that was Miss Lisa Linky. <laughs> and I am Miss Misty Stinnett. And this is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book each week. Okay, Lisa's mimicking my facial expressions. No, I'm just engaging with you. <laughs> well, it's it's both compelling and annoying. Pardon me, I'll so, power it out. Uh, so we read and review a popular self-help book each week, and we tell you how we feel about it. We do our best to... Yep. That is, uh, that's what's happening. Lisa's forehead is on the mic and she is unconscious. Can anyone listening come pick me up? <laughs> anyway, What's up, YouTube? What's up, YouTube? <laughs> Gucci. So we try and think critically about the self-help books. The point is we're reading the books. So, so they, you don't have to. Yes. We want you to glean the main points of the book and decide for yourself whether you want to dive in more and read it. Or if you're like, this book's a massive fucking waste of my time. Yeah. Or sometimes for some of these books, we want to let you know in advance to avoid it. Yeah, that's right. Because some of them are heaping piles of garbage and yeah. some are just polished gems of wonder. Turds. Thank you. So wonder hopefully, turds. Hashtag wonder turds. Hashtag wonder turds. So hopefully in the next hour or less, you will be able to go about your busy life yes. while still getting the perspective altering self-help oh. book changing advice. advice that you have been craving or that your family member has been shoving down your throat or secretly begging for you to get. Yeah, that's right. Passive-aggressively or aggressively. That's our pitch. That's it. You get it. You've been here. If you haven't, welcome. Yeah. It's going to be a journey. It is. Spoiler alert, I hate self-help and Misty is really adept at finding uh, useful tools within it. Thanks, Lise. Yeah. So, what are you presenting for us today? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to present to you Get Paid What You're Worth, The Expert Negotiator's Guide to Negotiating Salary and Compensation by Robin L. Pinkley and Gregory B. Northcraft. And I'd like you to note the book that I have is Advance Uncorrected Proof? Mm -hmm. How? Mm -hmm. Because Greg Northcraft was my negotiations professor in grad school, which was my all-time favorite class that I've ever taken in my entire life. Um, so you know this author. I do. You've been taught by this author. I have, not in fact, my review of the book is on Amazon. Um, oh, my God. And I think maybe even on, like, I, I, I read website? this advance, and it might even be on, like, the actual book book, like, on, on a review on a cover. So I do want to be upfront about that. Um, I'm sorry. You're published? Is that what's <laughs> happening? Way to bury the lead. This is, we're like 80 episodes in. And Lisa is just casually like, I may or may not have words in a printed book. Congrats. Well, I've never seen the actual book. I only have this advanced corrective proof. Uh, it's time. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so you can see, it's interesting. I've never seen an advanced corrected proof, uncorrected yeah. proof, but like it's a little bit of um, the back, the back cover isn't kind of set correctly and yeah. like it's just it's kind of like this is really wild yeah it's just kind of for everybody to get a look at what it would be it's, it's a mock-up basically yeah for the authors and and they got a few extra copies for their friends to read so that they could get some quotes but what if in the corrected proof there's a sentence or two that just reframes the entire book well the good news is that um because i've been taught negotiation skills by by greg northcraft at a, a post uh, colli- post collegiate level mm-hmm. um in my in my grad school days i know that everything he said in here is still the same great okay great <laughs> nothing they they said the content isn't the same maybe the formatting or uh, uh maybe mm. some some spelling corrections or something okay. like that is the same okay i'm gonna trust that that's correct oh are you being a little Lisa today? <laughs> yeah. We should always record in the morning. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, there was a copyright 2000, and then it was reprinted again in 2003. Okay. Um, it's 189 pages. The paperback is 1460. The hardcover is 1193, and the Kindle is 799. Great. And again, with older books, you can always find cheaper used versions somewhere if you if you want. But do the author suggest you reach out to Amazon to negotiate those prices lower? <laughs> Yeah, good luck. Um, 
I would say they would probably go. They would they would recommend going to a bookstore um, to negotiate a price. It's Great. always easier to negotiate face to face than a corporate entity that okay. ruins lives. Okay. Great. Let me tell you a little bit about the office. Yes. This is from LinkedIn. Dr. Robin L. Pinkley Pinkley is the. I'm going to say that's Duchessois. Oh, D U C H O S S O I S. Duchessois. Mm-hmm. Endowed Professor of Management and Organizations of Management and Organizations. Mm-hmm. It sounds real fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I double copied that. That's nope, also, I, that was a copy and paste from it's LinkedIn. It's also not very organized, ironically. I'm going to say Endowed Professor of Management and Organizations. This is the Uncorrected School of Business at of SMU. Her bio. That's right. She's the past director of the American Airlines Center for Labor Relations and chairman of the Organizational Behavior Department. She also served as president for the International Association of Conflict Management. Uh, chairman of the Conflict Management uh, Division of the Academy of Management. That's a lot of management in here. <laughs> she is the creator of the gain-gain approach to profitable negotiation, which she applies through executive development, consulting, and deal-making. Her research, which fo- focuses on negotiator power, focuses on uh, negotiator power and the use of strategic anchors for enhancing perceptions of value, has won the Edwin L. Cox 1994 Outstanding Research Researcher Award and a Frank and Susan Dunlevy Faculty Research Fellowship, a Corrigan Fellowship, a Dorothy Cullum Fellowship, and a Marilyn and Leo F. Corrigan Jr. Faculty wow. Endowment. Wow, I know what all those mean. The SMU Outstanding Researcher Award, Golden Mustang Award for Innovation and Teaching, and the Carl Sewell Distinguished Service to the Community Award. So her, her, her trophy research shelf is, is empty. Yes, her research is um, well uh, received. Yes, and awarded. Lauded. Gregory Northcraft is the Harry J. Professor of Executive Leadership. Let me do it again. Yep. Gregory Northcraft is the Harold J. Gray Professor of Executive Leadership in the Department of Business Administration and a professor in the Institute of Labor and Industrial Relations at the University of Illinois, which is where I have my joint degree. Yes. Mm -hmm. Professor Northcraft received his Ph.D. from Stanford in social psychology. He also holds degrees from Dartmouth College in psychology, Russian language and literature, and Oxford University, psychology and philosophy. His major research interests include conflict management and negotiation, collaboration and teams, managerial decision-making, and employee motivation and job design, particularly in high-technology manufacturing settings. Oh, my God. He sounds so valuable to have on your staff. (laughs) He served as editor of the Academy of Management Journal and currently serves on the editorial boards of Organizational Behavior and Human Decision Processes, Academy of Management Review, and Journal of Managerial Issues. So they're both... um, uh, Highly qualified. They're um, higher ed. They're researchers, right? Yeah. And they both teach. Yeah. So they're both highly qualified and then have collaborated together on creating um, tools for negotiating for people in negotiating salary. Amazing. It is amazing. This was my – negotiations was my favorite class of all time. My favorite class in grad school. My favorite class in undergrad was statistics. Stam. And um, <laughs> I, I – I cannot recommend this book enough. Great. There's books out there like Getting to Yes, which is about negotiations overall. <laughs> Just the way you said that. You gave up halfway through. I don't I don't like it. Because this is this is not only applicable to every time you negotiate a salary, mm-hmm. but it really gives you tools on how to make it work for you and Great. explains why. Great. And negotiations is much more scientific than people think, and they really help uh, unpack it. Great. Okay, here are the chapters. One, if you want it, you better negotiate for it. Two, before you receive an offer, building a foundation for success. Three, getting the offer, first steps. Mm -hmm. Four, survival skill one, expanding the pie. Uh, Five, survival skill two, claiming value. Six, responding to offers. Seven, speed bumps and other deal killers. Eight, closing the deal. Nine, tales from the hiring line. Lessons learned from job applicants and employers. Ten, final thoughts. So nine is where they bring together basically a consortium of um, – uh, who are the people who – who like headhunters? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hiring officials within um, – companies and people who have had like kind of a lifelong career of negotiating and and getting job offers. And then they ask them the most commonly asked questions about negotiating for salary. Great. And then take all of their answers and kind of give them to you. Great. So it's just kind of like a round table in a book. So helpful. Yeah. So we won't cover that. But um, so let's dive in. Do you have any questions so far? Yeah. I mean, I guess I immediately want to know you were you said, let's not 
dive into that, but I want to know, like, what are the most some of the most common questions? Um, we can take a look at that when we get there. Great. So at the time of publication, they quoted these statistics from the U.S. Department of Labor. For one month in 1999, three quarters of a million people left their jobs, over two million people re-entered the workforce, and about a half million people entered the U.S. workforce for the first time. Mm. More than 50% of those people will accept a job offer without the benefit of negotiation. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't negotiate, most will receive lower salaries and fewer benefits than their employers who were willing to pay. Holy shit. Even for first-time people? Because oh, yeah. I know when I was given my first job offer, I felt like I didn't have any negotiating tools and or, I guess, leverage. Yeah. I didn't have experience. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like my degree was anything that was crazy prestigious to be like, well, here's my clout. You know, no, I like just the first felt time so lucky. I was, my first job was at a life, as a lifeguard and I got minimum wage and, like, that was set. Oh, right. But what I mean is, like, my first Post Real corporate yeah. job yeah. post-college. Yeah. Yeah. So this book promises to help you learn which issues can be negotiated, how to prepare for negotiation, how to conduct a negotiation, and how to close the deal. Okay. All right. So chapter one, if you want it, you better negotiate for yeah. it. So each chapter starts with a vignette of a larger story about a person named Chris who is in an interview process. And it kind of kind of takes you through where where Chris is in the process mm -hmm. is what we're going to talk about in the chapter. I appreciate the gender neutral name because that could be like Christy yeah. or like Christopher. In Greg's – and I should say I do need to make a, a personal caveat for Greg Northcraft if yeah. you're listening. So <laughs> – Greg has these amazing and his his negotiation class is fucking it's amazing. It's the it's the most amazing thing. I use it all of my life, like all the time. Have you used it on me? Yeah. Um I didn't even know. I know. <laughs> um so he, and he has these wonderful like um experiential learning setups where you and a person are given different packets of information and then you come to the table and negotiate. Oh wow. And so when I was at Deloitte, I uh I was conducting this training and I was like, I contacted him. I was like, can I use one of those, um, you know, uh, I don't know what you call them. Like, what would you call those? Like exercises. Exercises. Boy, my words are not with me today. That's okay. You're doing great. Thank you. Like you said on a previous episode, I like doing words. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were talking about the beauty of the English language. And you were like, we don't use large words anymore. Like, like our lexicon said, or vocabulary. Like, you know. Words. Words. <laughs> what a fucking moron. Okay. So and he no said, negative thank you. Uh, that person was a fucking moron. Thank you. He said, um, he's like, you know, I normally don't give those out because it takes a long time to create them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what if I like update it? Because it was a, it was said in like the 90s. You expanded the pie. I did, except that I never did it. <laughs> so oh, you just, that, I I've always like felt bad won. about that. Oh. I've always felt bad about that. Greg. So, Greg, I apologize. If you're listening, I'm Lisa's still willing available. to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she will now. I can see from the guilt on her. I Face. I do. I do have guilt. Like I just got into, I, I that was like one of the first gigs that I had at Deloitte because I had been mm -hmm. riding the bench for six months, mm -hmm. and it was like so boring. And so here was value that I added, and then I, and then I got busy, and then I never had time to do it. Did he, did uh, Greg follow up with you? Oh no. I mean, I think he knew. I I could hear it like in his voice. He was like, okay, and mm -hmm. I was like, no, I will. And then I did it. So, oh my god, Greg, I am so sorry. This is not like the Lisa I know today. To be fair, those people I know didn't take it and use it again because they were mid-level managers at a paper product company it was in the Dunder southeast Mifflin. region. Yeah, <laughs> and they um they all got fired very relatively soon after that. So not by my doing. So it sounds like whatever exercise you presented them with was not very effective. <laughs> Well, no, they were restructuring, but I did. Hopefully, they were able to use it on their next job. Let's hope so. Okay, so Greg, I apologize. So sorry, Greg. Moving on. Each chapter starts with a <laughs> vignette about of a larger story about a, a person named Chris, and in every exercise we did, each character name was gender neutral. I love that. Um, Chris, Pat, Ashton, uh, Kelly. Okay, Stacy, Stacy. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <clears throat> um. 
This chapter covers why you must negotiate, the lifetime benefits you gain from this all-important negotiation, and why job applicants often don't negotiate. So they cite a study that found men who negotiated received 4.3 higher salaries than men who do not. 4.3 times or 4.3 percent? Percent. Okay. Times would be crazy. I was like, wow. While women who negotiate receive on average 2.7 percent higher salaries than women who do not. Why? The applicants in that study had on the whole not received training in effective negotiation. Okay. So these were people who were just trying to negotiate. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The study didn't explain the disparity and the recruiters gave anecdotal evidence. Um, they they asked recruiters about this. Yeah. So when they asked why the recruiters said that women use less assertive tactics than men mm-hmm. do. In the book, the authors explain how to use tactics that are tough when it comes to issues, but gentle when it comes to people involved. Great. And I also said (laughs) the patriarchy. Um, That's why. (laughs) Thank you. So uh, here's a quote from the book. The compensation package you obtain today affects your life today and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So salary history sends the signal that profoundly affects performance reviews, raises, and job offers for years to come. Yes, it does. It does. Absolutely. So. They say you should make it a goal to enter an organization or job market making no less than other applicants. Accepting less will imply that you have less value than other new hires. Wow. And um, I'd like to acknowledge here that this is an academic perspective Mm -hmm. that focuses on negotiation and not social science. Mm -hmm. Right? So they do not take into consideration any kind of – social constructs such as racism or oppression or gender disparity or the wage gap or anything like that. Ableism. That's right. They are simply saying it is in your best um, interests to negotiate for the best possible package for yourself because it it, it impacts your your learning for your life, your earnings for your lifetime. Jeez. So here's the reason that they say, um, oh, sorry. They say based on a few assumptions, kind of like the number of jobs that people tend to have in a lifetime, et cetera. The difference between those men and women who negotiated their starting salary and those who didn't over the earnings of their lifetime was $4.5 million for men and $3.7 million for women, respectively. Oh, my God. So that 4.3% and 2.7% doesn't seem like a lot in the beginning, that again, your your salary history is a huge indicator for performance review and for future salary. Well, and that and benefit package. How many of us are are freaking out about retirement and going like, how do I possibly save? Even even going like, okay, I need a million dollars by the time I retire seems impossible. But if you're saying that throughout our lifetime. We can earn at the low end three point seven million dollars more. That's bananas. Well, it's also just like the statistic of finishing high school right. generates more earnings for you over your lifetime. Yes, on average. Yes, um, than not. Right. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! I mean, if you look at what it costs to smoke over your lifetime, you could retire with over a million dollars. Really? Easily? Really? Because cigarettes are so fucking expensive. Yeah, I don't know. I don't smoke. Yeah, they're crazy expensive. Okay. Okay. So, uh, why don't applicants negotiate? Why not? They're, That's a smoker asking. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, fear of an employer's reception. Right. That's a big one, right? It's terrifying. So who do you think makes the best impression, Misty? The applicant who accepts an offer as made or the applicant who negotiates the offer in a professional problem-solving manner? Problem-solving manner. Even though it seems like not because or, I'm sorry, I flipped the page and oh, there was the third great. choice. Okay. The applicant who negotiates the offer in a demanding manner. B. Yeah. Option B. So 80% of corporate headhunters and placement officers asked said number two, like mm-hmm. you. Um, applicants are perceived more favorably if they negotiate well than if they do not negotiate. Right. Because you kind of go, okay, well, maybe this isn't what I love for my bottom line, but this is a person that I know is going to stand up for the company or has the skill set. I think it's even less than that. I think employers never start off with an appealing offer. They start off with what's the least I think this person will take. Yeah. And then you take it and they go, oh. Oh, okay. Then I guess they are worth less than I thought they were. Yeah. Oh, it's like perceived value. That's right. Another reason applicants don't negotiate is fear of losing the offer. Yes. So 
that has definitely affected mm-hmm. me in like four different jobs. I'm so, like, fuck it, I'll just take it. Remember this. Offers are not revoked because an applicant negotiates, but because of how they negotiate. Oh. So everybody, a contract is a contract is a contract. Right. Everybody is, an, is allowed and entitled to try to negotiate a contract. It's mm. how you go about it mm. that makes it comfortable or uncomfortable for people. Here's a question. Here's a caveat. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this just an American society, Western society? I would like, say that there's, this... I would say there's, um, there's follows definitely North American for sure. Okay. That's, that's their. Yeah, because this whole like you are entitled to negotiate for more money feels like, does that fly? Well, I wouldn't say you're entitled to negotiate for more money, but you're mm. always entitled to negotiate any contract you're given. Mm. Anybody who signs any contract without reading, Reading it is yeah. an idiot. Yeah. And anybody who, who looks at a contract and doesn't feel like they have the ability to say, what about this? Right. Is cutting themselves off at the knees. Right. A contract is only a contract when enforced when two parties agree to it. Right. 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 So it's always just a first offer. That's what my negotiation t- class has taught me. That's a first offer. It's just a first offer. It's not the offer. It's yeah. a first offer. They can make it their final last be- last best offer. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But mm-hmm. I don't have to agree to the terms. I can always say, "This seems important to you. This is important to me. Can we can we negotiate it?" Right. I've negotiated so many employment contracts that other people were terrified of simply because I was like, "I'm not comfortable with this." And they wow. because I added value to the company, they were like, "Okay, wow." Okay, yeah. teach me. Teach me, Lise. Yeah. Teach all of us. Okay, so another reason that people don't negotiate is fear of conflict. Mm-hmm. All right, so in Chapter 4, they're going to talk about how effective negotiators know how to negotiate for everyone. All right? Okay. The other side doesn't have to lose for you to win. Right. I said, take note, art of the deal. Well, and also <clears throat> Stephen R. Covey of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People talks about win-win. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and this is even... This is still win-win. Expanding the pie is still win-win, but it's it's a little different way of thinking. Oh, is this chapter four is expanding the pie? Yeah, okay. I believe. That's what we're in right now. So, yep, it Great. is. Great. Another reason people are afraid of negotiating, they fear the employer's superior power. Can you explain to us really – oh, yeah, for sure. That's me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me just say the, what their response to that is employers often believe the applicant has more power. Because they really want this person for the job. They need You're this person. You're their top pick. Right. And if you say no, they have to go to their next top pick. That's so interesting. I'd never considered that before. Yeah. Can you explain to us the concept of expanding the pie? In Chapter 4. I thought you said we were in Chapter 4. No. In Chapter 4, we'll talk about how effective negotiators know how to negotiate. Oh. I'm still in Chapter 1, baby. Oh. Although, why don't applicants negotiate? Thank you. Not as bushy-tailed in the morning as I thought it was. <laughs> um, another reason in Chapter 1, uh, employees <laughs> don't negotiate, applicants <laughs> don't negotiate, they fear uh, – there's a fear of emotion. Oh, yeah. And so um, they're going to talk about the negotiation of emotions versus issues. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Um, and they also fear of negotiating poorly. And the yeah. authors say this is the only fear that seems justified to them for not negotiating. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but that's changeable. That's it. But that's changeable. It's all 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 of those are resonating true. Terrified of being in conflict with yeah. my employer that I'm about to spend however many years with. Yeah. Right? Um feeling like they have all the power and I could lose this offer. Yeah. I should just accept it and be grateful. Yeah. Right? Especially if it's a little bit higher than I thought it might be. Yeah. And then all the emotions that go with that. It's fucking terrifying. It doesn't have to be. Okay, great. Great. Chapter two, before you receive an offer, building a foundation for success. Mm. Here's a quote. Successful negotiation begins long before you discuss an offer with a recruiter. Before your first discussion with the employer, you should already know what you want to discuss, where you want the discussion to go, and how you might get it there. Mm. You should know what they that what the employer might want the discussion to include and where the recruiter might want the discussion to go. The more you know before you start talking to the employer, the more likely your negotiation will be successful. Is that because you are considering all perspectives? It's because I learned negotiation only better with as much information as possible. Right. You right. need to do all of your homework and research. You need to know as much about the other side as possible mm-hmm. so that you can not screw them out of a deal, but so that you can really understand what their values and needs are mm-hmm. so that you can um, uh, uh, 
position expand yourself. the pie, which we'll right. talk about, okay. right? Okay. So there's something called premature job selection and premature negotiation, okay. and you need to avoid these at all costs. Okay. So a lot of these terms I'm not going to get into because it would take a full five, ten minutes to kind of explain, but they okay. do so very well in the book. Okay. Um, and basically it is what it sounds like that if you premature job selection, you choose the job before you understand everything and therefore can't really negotiate. Mm-hmm. And premature negotiation is before you've actually decided everything that is important to you and you you aren't really ready to come to the table. Right. Okay. You just did a great job well, in like 30 seconds. Yes. There's much more into it. I'm sure. So – also with job selection, so some things you can determine about an organization without an interview, but some things you have to interview to learn. Yeah, right. absolutely. So deciding, like, this is the place I want to work before you've even had an interview with them, that's a bad idea. Because then you're already wanting it. You're already sort of putting yourself in, like, a— Yeah, and there are things that, like, you have—you have, you don't know who you would be working with. You don't know who your manager would be. You don't know the culture of the company from the inside, maybe. Yeah, you don't okay. know what—yeah, like, you don't know what, mm-hmm. like, the— trajectory would be of this position. A lot so sort of, of things. coming at it from a do I want them standpoint. Very different, is isn't a, it? Yeah, rather than I hope they like me. Yes. Right? It's very oh, different. Great. And then as for negotiation, avoid salary discussions until you have the employer convinced that they really, really want to hire you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people want to talk salary from the get-go mm-hmm. to show like this is what I'm comfortable talking about mm-hmm. or I want to know what this is. Right. And – until the employer is convinced that they want you, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but I, you, it might be shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, I definitely have done this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, build your side of the playing field. The issues, the issue range and weight, which they do talk about in the book, interests and package range, and information about your best alternative offer. So mm. all this stuff is. Um, deep into what negotiation is. And here's where the book is really valuable. So the authors give specific examples and chart out how an applicant's preference sheet might look with the issues. So they want you to like literally do homework for each job and each offer. And you would be able to assign like kind of just random numbers for your each issue and the weight that you give it so that when an offer comes in, you can kind of determine how, what areas and things you might want to negotiate on and how much weight they have. So, so for example, if you have some sort of chronic health condition and they've got a great benefits package. You would give that more weight than like if it didn't matter to you where you live. Or you, if they have flexible working hours and you have a childcare issue, that's All of those issues. Important. So okay, it also it. gives, this book gives an immense list of negotiable issues that you might not have thought about that you can bring into your discussions. Like I'm talking a three-page list of things that – you would not have even thought of. Can I read this book? Yes, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna Thank give it to you. you. I mean, you will buy it. I'm going to buy it, Greg um, Northcraft. So I am not gonna cover all of those issues because they're okay. Crazy. Can you share with us one or two that we might not have thought of? Misty drives a hard bargain. She's I really do. A good negotiator. Um, <laughs> you gave up halfway through that one. She's a good negotiator. So, I mean, obviously things like basic compensation, yeah. additional compensation. I'm not talking about like the five to ten things they list off underneath these. Yeah. Insurance coverage, retirement yeah. benefits, relocation assistance, and then there's additional perks um, and career advancement. So, like, within career advancement, um, you might – want to talk about management development programs. You might want to talk oh. about, yeah. That's interesting. So you you might say, okay, well, in a year's time, I'd like to attend some sort of seminar that the company pays for. Or you'd want to know what they have in place. What they have in place. Okay. Right? Like, so yeah. that you don't... How yeah. can I continue to advance? Or maybe you want to negotiate a termination clause. Who knows? Oh, that's interesting. Like like a prenup. Like a severance package. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm never going to be, be married to a job, but yeah. That's kind of exciting because mm-hmm. – oh, that's fun. Thank you, Lisa. Mm-hmm. It's kind of exciting because then it's like if they're thinking about firing you, they're like, no, no, no. She's way too expensive to fire. Yeah, or that you've already negotiated that if they're thinking about firing you, they have to give you a six-month like probation. You've negotiated oh, that. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. I never would think about that. Yeah, that's why you need to buy this book. Thanks. Okay, here we go. Thanks. So here's um, – so I'm not going to cover all the issues, but I am going to talk about issue specifics. Okay. So within each issue, there's issue range and issue weight. So an issue range is the bottom line 
and target, uh-huh. say for salary. Uh-huh. Here's the bottom line I'll accept, uh-huh. and here's my target. And issue weight is the importance of the issue to you. So the book has great resources for you to research salaries and to verify that your target and range is reasonable before you ask. Great. So they're big on, neg- on, on, on negotiation being backed and verified by information. Great. Everything that you offer up isn't just something you pulled out of your ass. Right. It right. is verifiable. It is re- it is reliable and it is it is um, researched, well researched. Yes, and I also wonder if we can supplement this with um, information on like uh, websites like Glassdoor.com so or the, like this a was LinkedIn before those forum. existed. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm saying like if we want, like I know sometimes if I'm going into a place, I'm looking up like what are people in the Los Angeles area in this same job position making? And I can there are Facebook groups for it. One hundred percent. Here's where I would also caution you to only to not only rely on those because those are self-reported. Right. And so just like when you took a when when you fill out a class evaluation at the end of a class, mm-hmm. um, typically you throw out the high and you throw out the the low and you really look at the middle because that's a great representative. Some people are gonna think it's amazing and some people are gonna think it was just absolutely the worst in the world. But those are few and far between. But and I'm it's talking the middle. I'm talking salary. Yeah, but there's but a, a better representation, a better, more accurate is like the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Got it. Then mm-hmm. then is Glassdoor. Okay. Yeah. Great. Because that person, if they're if they love the company, is yeah. gonna maybe accurately or over report. And a person who hates the company is gonna underreport their salary. Oh, that never even occurred to me. Because Misty, you are an achiever, and you're like, Thank this you. is what my this is the fact, and I'm strategic, and everybody should be doing it correctly. Oh, I never even thought of. But this like, do you believe every review you read on Yelp? No. Yeah. So Glassdoor is basically a Yelp, right? But but lying about salary for that—that's interesting. Sure. I don't know. Oh, Lisa's making a like. Oh, you're so naive, and I'm sorry, face. <laughs> I mean. It's very kind of you to assume that everybody is. Well, I would have thought they'd be like, hey, look, I made $1,000 a week at this job. I fucking hated the company. But I, I wouldn't have assumed they'd like lie about their. If you were wrongfully terminated from a company and didn't get any recourse, what are, one of the only ways that you can damage the company? Making people not want to work there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. All right. Thank you. Okay. okay. Um, great. So. The book has great resources for you to research salaries and to verify that your target range is reasonable before you ask. Mm-hmm. They give examples of how to give issues weights, like assigning an intrinsic point value, mm-hmm. like you were talking about if you needed certain medical care. Right. They help you create a preference sheet all in preparation for negotiations. And they give you an example of like what somebody's preference sheet would look like with comparison of different offers. Okay. It's really great. So it kind of just becomes numerical in a sense. It That's really, really helps. cool. Yeah. So I'm going to read something about underlying interests on page. Especially if you're fielding, 32. if you're, if you were lucky enough to be fielding multiple job offers, yeah. like a headhunter has been working with you yeah. and there are three companies who want you or yeah. two universities or whatever. Even if you don't have multiple offers, knowing what your issue weight and range is on uh-huh. multiple issues gives you leverage to negotiate within one offer. I'm also going to expand the pie of thinking here, the pie of consideration, and say you could maybe even do this with your current job to decide how happy you are. 100%. In that position. So that the next time you have um, a review yeah. that you can negotiate if, if – and if they – or if your company is unable to give bonuses or um, pay increases this year because it's tight, yeah. are there other things that you could negotiate that would increase value for you? Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Underlying interests. <laughs> An underlying interest is the why behind the what you are negotiating. Mm. Uh, what Chris wants in our vignette is a mm. high salary. More important than what he wants, however, is why he wants it. Or he, she. Mm-hmm, he or she may want a high salary because of the nice lifestyle it would provide or because of the status it would give him with his peers. If Chris focuses on what he wants instead of why he wants it, he may act, he may accept the salary he wants only to lose the lifestyle he was really after. Wow. For example, an applicant who does not realize that lifestyle goals underlie his objective of obtaining a high salary may turn down an offer of $60,000 in Atlanta for a $70,000 offer in New York, although the first would have given him a better lifestyle. Yep. In this case, it's not really a salary an issue that is important. It is what Chris can obtain through salary that is important, his underlying interests. Right. While more salary will certainly mean more benefit or value, 
Chris needs to remember that there may be other better ways to obtain that benefit or value than salary. Part of negotiation is to discover and create alternative ways to find value. You must be as clear about the underlying interests you desire as you are about the issues you negotiate. Wow. So that for me was like, that's why you have to do all this time and research and like really think about what is, why and what. Because if you're like, well, it's because it's money, it's money, it's money, it's money. Yeah. But if you're like, okay, I need more money so that I can have a great home. It's like, well, 70 grand isn't going to go very far in New York City. Right. It's like, well, but it's we'll going to give go- you 120 in uh, Olathe, Kansas, yeah. or we're going to give you 180 in Manhattan. And you're like, 120, 180 in Manhattan. I'll go. Because if you're only thinking right. about the right. the weight and right. not the interest. Right. When you could have a McMansion in Kansas... If that's what you desire. <laughs> but at the same time, if you're like, I want to hire I want to hire a salary so that I can travel more, and that's important to me, but in Kansas, there's not a major airport. You're not going to be able to get there, but there's like JFK and LaGuardia. Right. And- or we're going to offer you this salary for this tra- for this position that travels worldwide. Yeah, versus this, this one salary. that does not at all. Right? So it's important to really understand your interests and your desires and why you want those. Which means you have to go into this with a certain amount of self-work already done. So you have to kind of know your principles. So you know that's why they're saying chapters 1 and 2 are even before you get an offer. Yeah, you have to do all of this yeah. research, not only on yourself, but making these kind of plans and lists so that yes. when the offer comes in, you're not swayed by anything. You can already look and see. So here's my quick question mm-hmm. is, can someone who's just entering the workforce and is still figuring out who they are and what they want mm-hmm. truly successfully negotiate? I think so, as long as they spend time figuring out what's important to them. Right. If what they want is expendable income to pay off their student loans, right. then yeah. So it's just what's important to you at this state in your life. Yeah. That's what you got to concentrate on. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because that'll change. Yeah, of course. Okay, great. So um, chapter three, getting the offer, first steps. So you don't get any value in a negotiation until the other side says yes. Mm. So even though you, th- if they're like, that sounds great, that sounds great, sure, sure, mm-hmm. until they sign that contract, it's a zero offer, right? Right? There's zero right. amount attached to it. So this chapter is great at giving you real proven ordered steps to help get the ball rolling. Okay. All right. I'm going to focus on a few points of interest because if you're truly interested in learning how to negotiate a salary package, listening to one podcast isn't enough. You have That's to practice. Right. You have That's to practice right. negotiating. Mm-hmm. I say invest in this book. It is rife with great ways to frame questions, to elicit information, mm. to engage the other party in negotiations, and get to the heart of their issues, ranges, and weights. And that's really what I need is a script. Yeah. Because I can't go in. Because when yeah. adrenaline is pumping and the stakes feel high and you're talking about getting out of a job you don't like for this job that you're very excited about, like yeah. it's not always like it, you're not walking in with a clear head. Yeah. And I, I bristle a little bit the, at the idea of a script because that people can always tell when you're kind of like I, I don't mean a script. I mean uh, – like a I don't want to go. Yeah, I want a plan. I want a plan, and I want to know, like you're saying, the wording, like some of the proper wording, rather than, well, I, I don't think I'd like that. You know, exactly. it's like, oh, well, is there value in blah and blah blah? I think you, negotiating is a skill, and you only improve with repetition. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say your first negotiation should be for your salary package, yeah. right? It should be with your um, friend when you guys figure out where to vacation. It should mm. be with your family member on when you guys decide how much money we're going to spend on each other for the holidays. Okay. It should, right? You're you're learning how to build these skill sets right. as you go. Okay. Okay, great. So I'm going to read uh, Creating Professional Investment. Mm. In the heat of a compensation negotiation, it is easy to view the exchange as being about give and take on the issues, Mm. such as exchanging less salary for more moving expenses or exchanging more health care for less life insurance. It is easy to lose sight of the fact that the real exchange is the exchange between what you bring to the job and what the company gives you in return. Okay. The more they think you are worth, the more they will be willing to compensate you. So, that's just a kind of like keeping an overarching value, overarching mm-hmm. idea over mm-hmm. the entire negotiation yeah. rather than like this s- right. zero-sum game. I get right. 60, you get 40. Right. Right? Right. Um, okay. Above all, take time to reflect on the offer and never accept on the spot. Never. Okay. Great. So if you're in a room full of people and they're like, 
We love to. They slide it over. Yeah. We love you. Here's a generous thing. Da, 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 da. We'd love to have you start tomorrow. Thank you so much. I'm going to need some time to think about this. Right. I'll get back to you. Oof. Yes. 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 Okay. Chapter four. Survival skill one. Expanding the pie. We're here, everybody. Grab your forks. <laughs> Whether you are an applicant or an employer, your goal in negotiation is to claim as much value as possible for yourself. Mm-hmm. Most negotiators make a costly mistake in negotiation when they assume that finding an acceptable middle ground means meeting in the middle, an equal split or a compromise. Ah. The myth of the fixed pie. The fixed pie is an amount of resources that the employer and applicant divide up. So I'm going to read about this myth Great on page 56 in the um, advanced copy that I have. Uncorrected proof. That's right. What if they changed it to cake and you just don't know? It's expand the cake. Oh, it's never It's never been. I'm sorry. Okay. That's thank sorry. you. <laughs> okay. So uh, there's a little diagram here that I'll show you what it looks oh, like. Oh, there is a, a small circle with a slice out of it. And then there's a larger circle with a slice out of it. It looks like it's been expanded. Yes. That's right. A larger slice. A okay. larger slice. So why compromise is a bad idea. I broke oh, in there. thank you. Expanding the pie is about finding ways to increase the value that can be divided between the two sides. If there is more value to go around, more for the employer and applicant to divide, then there is an opportunity for one or even both sides to do better. Most negotiators treat negotiation like a tug of war over a fixed pie. As a result, they miss important opportunities to expand the pie. When negotiators think they are arguing over a fixed pie, they may try to meet the other side halfway to compromise. Many people think they are good negotiators because they know how to meet the other side halfway. Compromise is not always a good strategy because a compromise strategy may keep you from expanding the pie. Mm. How can negotiators expand the pie? How can negotiators find more to go around just through the process of negotiating? There are three basic principles to remember. Be firm in re- regarding the value you want, but flexible in terms of how you get it. Okay. Distinguish the issues of greatest importance to you from those that are less important. Mm-hmm. And determine which of your important issues are unimportant to the employer and vice versa. Oh, that's a great step. Right. They're not going to care that I have X, Y, and Z going on. No. They don't give a fuck. They and just I don't want care you to work that they have blah, 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 blah. That's right. Okay. So <clears throat> be firm and flexible on the form of agreement. Issue number – principle number one to okay. help you expand the pie. I need flexible working hours I'd like every other Friday off. No, we can give you Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. Okay. Well, Did the, I do it? The form of a job offer matters less than the value it represents. I'll say that again. The form of a job offer values matters less than the value it represents. Okay. Does that mean like verbal versus written? For what example, I'll ask you this question. Would you accept a job offer with no salary? No. If your, an- your answer should be, it depends. Okay. It depends on what else the offer includes. A fully paid for apartment, car, food. That's right. And it depends care. on whether you are offered something else that provides you the same or more value. Okay. So, what if I said, Will you accept a job offer with no salary, but it provides um, full benefits, mm-hmm. free, full benefits, mm-hmm. totally paid, um, full uh, life insurance, all that stuff, mm-hmm. fully paid for you and your family as well. No limit on dependents. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could add your mother, your cousins, whatever you wanted. Like 29 kids. That's right. Um, you are provided a, a car with car insurance, all mm-hmm. of that, and a driver. So you don't have to drive if you want. And mm. just so you have your own car and you have a driver. That sounds really good. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, we provide you with a home. Um, uh, mortgage paid, all of that stuff. And there's a chef out right. There's mm-hmm. a chef on. Like, so now would you work for no salary? Yeah. Right? Because if when you start to add it up, that's actually more valuable than, than, get, than receiving a salary. a salary and none of that. Right. So, right. So the answer is always, it depends. And so I'll say it again. The form of a job offer yeah. matters less than the value it represents. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's why some people in a startup work for very little salary, but they have all they get tons of stock options right 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 Right. Mm -hmm. yeah okay Okay. uh it depends on whether you're offered something else that provides the same or more value it is not the salary that is important the best offer whether it includes salary or not is the one that provides the most overall value it's Mm. up to you to negotiate what resources or issues that value comes from yes okay two distinguish important from unimportant issues if you don't place much value on an issue 
you can give ground on that issue in exchange for concessions on an issue that you value more. Great. So, um, objectively, the offer will be the same for the employer, but the value to you will increase. Mm-hmm. So that's how you're expanding mm-hmm. the pie. Does that make Great. sense? Yeah. Three. Uh, oh, wait. There's more I want to say about this. Nope, nope, nope. Three. Distinguish your issues from the employer's issues. Just as you value some issues more than others, some issues will be more valuable to the employer mm-hmm. than others. Sometimes this is because it is easier for the employer to get money for some things than others. For example, it may be easier for them to give you moving expense money than signing bonus money. Or okay. vice versa. Right. Right? So if they're if you're like, I have to have my moving expenses covered. I have to have my moving expenses covered. And yeah. they're like, we just don't. That's our corporate policy. Right. If neither of you budge on that, if neither of you think about expanding the pie, mm-hmm. often an employer will say, well, we can give you more signing bonus money. But if you're thinking, no, it has to be moving expenses. Yeah. Rather than I can take oh, the I'll extra just... $2,000 from signing bonus and exactly. that will cover it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So. Two sides of the negotiation rarely same share the same preferred issues. We will right. rarely have the exact same issues totally. lined up in the same weight and range. Right. So therefore, we can almost always do better than compromising and meeting halfway. We can almost always expand the pie. Right. We can give and take on our different issues. That's great. That's a great mindset. Yes. So again, here the book has great examples of how to do this and how to make it make sense. Great. Okay. Um, I'm going to read a little bit about expanding the pie. Here we go. When we expand the pie, we do not change the resources that the two sides bring to the table. What we change is the amount of value that the two sides divide. Mm -hmm. Expanding the pie means dividing the same resources in ways that create larger amounts of value for the negotiators to divide. The best negotiations occur when both sides get back more than they give. That's what expanding the pie is all about. Great. Yeah. Uh, And then fractioning issues. This is interesting. So sometimes applicants miss opportunities to expand the pie because they see issues as holes rather than parts that create a hole. Okay. Fractioning the issue, splitting it into sub-issues, can provide opportunities to identify issues that the two sides value differently. So the classic example of fractioning issues comes from the story of the two sisters and an orange. It seems that there were two sisters. One wanted to bake a cake and the other wanted to make some marmalade. Both needed an orange, but there was only one orange in the house, and they couldn't both have it. They were arguing about who deserved to get it when one sister mentioned that she had her heart set on using the fruit of the orange to make her marmalade. All arguments stopped at that point because the sister baking the cake realized that she only needed the peel of the orange to bake the cake. This meant that while there might only be one orange, neither sister needed all of it. Mm. One sister valued the peel and not the fruit. One sister valued the fruit and not the peel. Although they both needed an orange, dividing up one orange gave both of them what they needed. I love that analogy. By fractioning the issue, in this case, fractioning the orange into peel and fruit, they found a way for both of them to get everything they wanted. Mm-hmm. They turned a tug of war over what they thought was a fixed pie into a winning argument for both sides. So fractioning can be useful for many issues that appear like a tug of war. A marketing job in Boston, for example, consists of two sub-issues, a job in, issue, a job in Boston and a job in marketing. Just because the employer offers you a marketing job in Boston doesn't mean the employer feels equally strong about you being assigned to marketing and in Boston. Mm. If you can learn which aspect of the job, that the job is in Boston or that the job is in marketing, is more important to them, you may be able to negotiate each one separately. Interesting. If the real issue for the employer is location, there are only openings in Boston, but the real issue for the applicant is the function, a job in finance, bridging solution could be a finance job in Boston. Right. That's so interesting. That's right. So bridging two parts of a fractioned issue is one way to create a compatible issue, Mm. a single issue that contains a trade that helps both sides. I feel like that's going to take a lot of practice to be able to identify when and where you can fraction. Yes. And I would say what it really takes practice in is listening and dropping your own ego, being willing to not put your – make your issues go first. Right. But being willing to listen. Right. Okay. Um, Another way to enhance value in a negotiation is to – recognize compatible issues. Mm-hmm. So an issue is compatible when both sides prefer the same option, like starting date. Mm-hmm. Um, the applicant prefers the earliest starting date. She wants to start making money. And surprise, surprise, the employer also prefers the earliest starting date. Amazing. So they sh- these should be issued to manage because both sides want the same thing. Okay. But of course, before they can both agree to what they want, they both have to realize it's both what they want. Yeah. And sometimes that fixed pie bias prevents them from realizing they have the shared preferences. Right. So emphasizing what you agree on is good. In that chapter, there's a bunch of other descriptions of different issues, aside from fractioning and um, 
combining. Great. And yeah. Great. Okay. Chapter five, survival skill two, claiming value. So mm-hmm. first you expand the pie to create value. Yeah. Then you claim value. Yes. Okay. Um, this is a great chapter explaining how anchoring and framing, which is like the work that Robin Pinkley had done mm-hmm. that won her all those mm-hmm. awards, and they're excellent tools for negotiating. Um, but if I went into them, I'd give too cursory of an overview or an entire episode explaining it and how to use it. So I'm going to ask you to buy the book. Okay. Um, but basically, they're just this is great for actual salary. <laughs> um, of anchoring and framing, and it's also great in like real estate. Um, I use that when I um, bought my homes. Wow. Yeah, it's really helpful. Wow. Okay, great. God, so great that you had this class so early on. I mean, it's I in your life. I use it all the time. All the time. I I never buy a mattress um on a credit card and I never pay the full price. Even at IKEA? I don't shop at IKEA. Yeah. I don't I bought shop. a mattress at IKEA recently. You did. I did. I, I here's two reasons I don't shop at IKEA. Mm-hmm. One uh, it uses 1% of the world's wood, and I don't think that's fair. Mm. Two, uh, when you shop at a big box store, you have less opportunity for a negotiation. Yeah, you do. Um, but they also offer some of the cheapest mattresses that's that I true. could find. But you can negotiate a mattress. I know. I've done it. I once negotiated a mattress from like $1,800 to $1,000 with delivery, including all taxes, and two memory foam pillows. So that's what I do. And then I say, now what will you give me if I pay cash? And it drops down at least two or three hundred dollars. Oh my god! Thank you. What? Great. Uh, Okay, so chapter six: responding to offers. There's a thing called an exploding offer. The offer expires after a short time frame. Okay. So like. Um, this offer is valid for 24 or 48 hours. Whack-a-mole. Basically. So this chapter gives you multiple options on how to deal with exploding offers. Why? In what situation would a person do that? They need someone to start next week. It's an emergency, so we got to know who we're going with? Well, they don't want the employee to kind of lollygag around. And meanwhile, while that happens, if they end up rejecting the offer, they've missed out on their second and third Right, picks. right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. This chapter is great and gives a lot of tools on how to respond to offers, right? But do you have time to read this chapter in the 24 hours? <laughs> you should because you have done all of your research prior to even negotiating. That's right. That's prior to right. even going to interviews. Thank you. Um, this It's chock full of information. Great. And I love it. Chapter 7, speed bumps and other deal killers. Okay. Emotions can create transitory value in negotiation. So they can make issues take on value during negotiations that they didn't have before the negotiation mm-hmm. and they won't have after it. So here's an example. You might feel a warm rush of relief when you get the salary offer, but that feeling of relief won't be there forever, and right. the salary amount will. Right. Okay. Right? Okay. So there's they talk about the winner's curse and the loser's curse. Mm. The winner's curse is when you say yes to a deal and regret it later, mm. and the loser's curse is when you say no to a deal and regret it later. Oh, fuck. Right? So – uh, see the offer in writing before you agree to anything. Yeah. Make sure you both make sure both sides understand what you're agreeing to mm-hmm. and give yourself time to check your emotions before you make a deal that impacts the rest of your life and your earnings potential. Right. Um, they give a great take on what to do when someone thinks the negotiation isn't fair. Um, and they also have a great section on misrepre- misrepresentation in negotiation, but I'll just focus on one right. in page 117. Their thing about the fair is like how to handle, how to react if somebody says, well, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Which, if you've done all of your work yeah. and all of your research. It should be fair. It, a, well, should be fair. And B, you won't feel like it like it isn't fair. Right. Right? And right. You, so you won't immediately react like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because you'll be like, I Actually, am 100% Actually, the Bureau of certain. Labor Statistics exactly. says that this is the median salary range. That's the beauty of this approach of negotiation is all of your research and all of your forethought makes you so comfortable in negotiating. Well, and it sort of takes it off of you. It's yeah. not, well, that's what I am worth. It's like, no, here are the averages. Yeah. Here's what is is yeah. statistically true. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, great. So here's one thing. Um, when somebody says that's not important. Applicants are often reluctant to tell employers what they want for the fear the employer will hold it hostage and demand something in return. Uh, For example, an applicant who wants a particular location may misrepresent this preference for fear that the applicant will use this information strategically. And I think they meant to say the employer. Yep. The employer will use this information strategically and withhold the location until the applicant accepts a lower salary. Yeah. To avoid this, an applicant may pretend not to care which office location he is assigned to. Mm. Unfortunately, 
this tactic can backfire. Mm -hmm. You may have to explain later why you are not willing to make concessions on an issue you claimed was unimportant or why you suddenly don't want a settlement option that you previously claimed to prefer. Right. So the interests you represent to the other side are the only interests the other side can address. Right. So be upfront and be honest. Hey, I only want Boston, not Singapore. That's right. It's got to be that, and thanks. That's right. Okay, that's cool. Um, so there's lots of stuff in there about all these other speed bumps. Great. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, chapter eight, closing the deal. Thank you. This is a great chapter on how to expand the pie again if you're stuck on a few closing points. Well, and the employer comes up to you and goes, now what do you take if I pay cash? <laughs> <laughs> Sad luck. <laughs> I heard him all the way over. Every now and then. I get him. I get him. Um, here's a great one. They call <laughs> expanding the time horizon a way to make concessions today for future compensation. Okay. I've used this one and recommended this one a lot. So Tell me. perhaps performance-based compensation or pay dedicated to you in the next year's budget, right? So mm-hmm. if they can't afford the salary you want today mm-hmm. because the budget's running running out, maybe yeah. you um work in a review in six months, a, pay, a performance review with a possible pay increase in six months. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you guarantee that in next year's budget, your your salary will be bumped up. Yeah, that feels better. Because so that's they a could way just to close go, the deal. Yeah. When, you're, yeah. when you're so close and you, and you need to yeah. close the deal. You're like, okay, well then let's talk about holiday bonuses. Yeah, or something like that. There's lots right. of ways to expand the pie to get More that deal closed. More stock options. Yeah, that's right. okay. That's right. Okay. So chapter nine, Tales from the Hiring Line. I'll just tell you what um, a couple of the questions are. Question number one. I've just received an offer from a big six accounting firm and was informed that the salary was non-negotiable because all new trainees receive the same salary. Should I attempt to negotiate in non-negotiable situations mm-hmm. such as this when the employer seems to have it a t- have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude? That is what my first job was, my first mm-hmm. corporate job. Um, question two, what should you do if an employer has a set benefit package or has offered you an unacceptable package? Okay. Question number three, what kind of leverage do you have when it is obvious that you are unemployed or underemployed? How can you deal with this issue during the negotiation to ensure you get a salary com- commensurate with your the current market? When they say when it's, it's when it's obvious to your new potential employer that you don't have a lot else going on. Due to small versus large company industry differences, et cetera. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right, right. Okay. Those are some of the examples. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Chapter 10, final th- – This that chapter is 30 pages with all of these questions and answers. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so the panel is um, recruiters, industry professionals, hiring managers, academics, and more. Great. Final thoughts. Top 10 things to do and to not do. And a conclusion of our friend Chris who is negotiating their job offer. Hold on one second. Yeah. We said we would revisit that section. Can you share with us just that the answer to that first question? Well, there's like nine answers from nine different people. Oh, okay. Because it's a panel. Right, right. Is overview, is it like, yes, you should always try to negotiate? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And any other specifics? No. Great. Um. So each of the each of the panels respond, and then the authors put in their perspective based on everything they've covered from the book. Okay. But yeah, everything's negotiable. Okay. That's it. That's get paid what you're worth. Oh, oh my God, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel really unsatisfied because I you've done a great job making me Listen, want to read this book. Well, that's my my intent because right. honestly. I am not an expert negotiator. I am mm. not an expert negotiations instructor. Yeah. And I didn't want to do more harm than good right. by having people feel like they listened to a podcast and then tried to negotiate. Right. So to truthfully explain to you all of these different issues yeah. would be the length of the audiobook. Right. And it doesn't seem like it's too—I mean, I'm holding the book. It's it's not a super thin book, it's but it's not It's thick. 190 pages with a lot of, like, diagrams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the—yeah, it's—I it's, feel like you could read this in a few days. You could. You really could. And this is in with specific reference to salary negotiations. Yes. Which is what I like it. Yes. I like about it. Getting to yes is about negotiations overall and, like, right. sales and whatnot. Right. But this is just salary negotiations. The nitty-gritty for a job offer. And I just want to say, like, it, it really does work. Like, I remember my first um, out of grad school, my first job, we were negotiating salary, and my dad was like, this is what you're going to ask for. They've offered you this. You're going to ask for $10,000 more. And I was like, Dad, 
no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, listen, this impacts the rest of your life. This is what it's so important. God. You know, and he was like, and I was like, I have never, I don't have, I can't, uh, you know, and I was just yes. like, what, I don't, I've never done this before. And I mean, I had two graduate degrees. I had, you know, and they, they picked me. They knew. Yeah. And he was like, this is what he said. God love him. And I was just like, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to ask for that. Maybe I'll ask for like $2,000 more. And he was like, no, ask for this. They can always come back and offer less. Like it's yeah. negotiation. Yes. It's negotiation. Yes. And I was like, no. And then he goes, honey, any manager would cream his jeans if some applicant was like demanding this amount of money. And I was oh like, my I said, dad, God, don't ever don't say that ever again. Don't ever say that to me again, he goes, dad. He said, I said, why? Do, I, don't, I don't want them to be uncomfortable with me. And he said, yes, you do. He said, you want them to be so uncomfortable that they're on top of you making sure that you are working, making sure that you are giving them the work that they, that they want and deserve and that they're focused on you. And that's how you're going to execute and, like, develop in that company because they're going to keep their fucking eye on you. And oh you're not just going to be a cog machine. And I was like – so I wrote back and I was like, I would like this um, this much money. And they were like <laughs> – I was fully expecting them to be like, no. And they were like, okay. And I was like, oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> and then they didn't watch me. I sat on the bench for six months. Thank you. And I grew disinterested. And then I became an improviser. You're welcome. Thank but also, you. Every house I've ever bought, Chuck Linky has helped me negotiate. He taught me about a split offer. He taught me about like he he's 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 got a bad case of buyer's remorse. So he's an expert negotiator. Oh yes, he sounds. It sounds like having Chuck Linky as a dad has been invaluable to your financial education. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And please don't ever say that again. Dad's everywhere. To I your mean, daughter. I will say this. <laughs> it stopped the conversation. You were like, mm-hmm. I said, dad, ew. Okay. And then I was like, no. And then I was like, all right, fine. Okay. So, but how did you word it? Because that's the hardest part for me is yeah. you can settle on a number in your mind, but how do you actually present the information? Here's the thing that Chuck Linky did a really great job. Even though on the inside, I was like, I don't want to do this. On the outside, he really taught me how to value my own time. Great. Because he he, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has given me, it's kind of just, you just say it. And also I know that it's a negotiation. They can say no. But saying I'd like this versus. Saying, I, ha- I had hoped it would be more like this. Right. I right. had hoped. I, had I was a- expecting an offer mm-hmm. at this number. Yeah. I don't say how dare you. I don't say I'm yeah, disappointed. I don't say, I just say, um, thank you for the offer. Uh, I had I had I had expected something around this. Mm-hmm. What is there room to negotiate? Yes, and then they can say no, and then I can decide to accept it or not. Yeah, or um, and it doesn't hurt me that I tried to negotiate. Right, I still or- accept their offer, and and then my expectation of them being like, "Fuck that bitch," she tried to negotiate is mm-hmm. all in my mind. That's an agreement I've made up. Yeah. Instead, what we know. <laughs> is that they actually view me more highly for trying to negotiate for myself. Right, right. And I, I also, my gut instinct is to not s- use things they can say no to, phrases like, is there room to negotiate? Because that's a yes or no question versus looking forward to your thoughts, right? Sure. Like, I was expecting sure. a number closer to this and also a benefits package encompassing this. Looking forward to your thoughts. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think there's anything right or wrong Um with it, I think looking forward to your thoughts is fine. For me, um, just saying, is there room to negotiate? So gives, like a them collaboration. A ch- gives them a chance to say yes or no. Right. If they truly want me to work for them, I, I know they do because they've made me an offer. Right. Um, for them to say, I'm so sorry, we can't negotiate right. is a huge uh, – also, I know they can. Right. I know they can. Right. Totally. So um, – it, it gives them the chance to say, here's what we can negotiate on. Right. Okay, great. So what did these authors get right? What these authors got right was a very academic approach to how to use tools and tricks um, to to frame negotiations, right. how to expand the pie, and right. teaching you how to prepare right. well before interviews right. to to really value yourself and, and, and set up set yourself up for good negotiations. Right. And it sounds like this book was so woo-woo, Wanda. I mean, just so incredibly. <laughs> There's not even a hint of a light a candle to figure out your Have issues. Have a transcendental There's not even meditation. like a spend some time with yourself. No, it's Thank just like you. make a chart of right. your issues. Right. So what did they get wrong? 
I think what they underrepresent is the challenge of negotiating. It's true when you have information, you feel more empowered. But for most people, asking for what they want and valuing themselves terrifying. is terrifying. Highly emotional, high stakes. And they don't talk at all about any kind of social constructs or systems that are right. set up to devalue women, people of color, um, right. people who are differently abled, et cetera. Right, right. Um, and granted, this was written 19 years ago and mm-hmm. reprinted 16 yeah. years ago. I wonder how they would what research they might be able to incorporate in. Sure. And I, I don't know how helpful this is, but every time I think about the wage gap, I, it makes me want to automatically ask for 30% more than they offer me. I mean, it would be, it's a good thing I'm not in corporate America anymore because mm-hmm. I would say, whatever your starting offer is, add 30% to cover the wage gap. And yeah. they would be like, already I hate you. But yeah, you know. But um, also like, okay, you're offering me 70. All right, great. I would like it to be 90. Or I might say, it's important for me to work in a company where salaries are transparent. Yeah. So whatever your your male employees are making at this level, yeah, that's where I'd like to start the conversation. Yeah. Or, mm. you know, if Kamala Harris is elected president, she's going to make companies responsible for ending the wage gap mm-hmm. versus individuals. Yes. Thank you. Because why should the onus be on the victims? Thank you so much. We talk about this all the fucking time. Um, so who I obviously this book is perfect for people who are thinking about transitioning into a new job, who want to get better at negotiating. Who's this book terrible for? You know, it's terrible for people who rake themselves over the coals for mm-hmm. not having negotiated well. <laughs> Right. If you're going to be like, I should have done that. I should have done that. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, or uh, if you if you're reading this as just how to generally negotiate, this yeah. is very specific on salary negotiation. The principles apply across. Yeah. But it's very specific on ish, uh, multifaceted issues. Right. In, in one negotiation. Right. So you might have to get a little bit creative if you're trying to apply it to other parts. Yeah. That being life. said. The principles apply yeah. across Expanding negotiation. the pie. Hey, yeah. Expanding you the don't pie, want to fly here for fractioning Christmas. issues, but, yeah. combining issues, knowing your weights and issues, et cetera. Great. And it sounds like you use this book all the goddamn time. All the goddamn time. So do you have a homework assignment for me? I do. Your job is to negotiate something, anything. Okay. You could negotiate a loaf of bread at a, at a store, a stick of gum. Um, you could negotiate where to go to dinner. You could negotiate okay. um, something at, at work, like a deadline or a due date okay. um, or something with your landlord, whatever. Oh, God. It could be as small as a stick of gum. You could try to negotiate. Okay. You could negotiate um, a purchase, uh, okay. whatever. If you have a major purchase coming up or anything like that. You could tr- try to negotiate do, a car. Kind of. You could yeah. try to negotiate a car. No, thanks. I'm driving that Corolla till she blows up. May you I could, not be inside? You could try to negotiate some um, uh, service for it. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. And do the authors have a website? Um, you know, they don't because they're academics. Okay. Um, so this book doesn't have a website. I think this was just kind of like a, a way for them to share their academic findings with the general public. Great. In a, Great. In a source of service. Great. And yeah. as always, we will put a link to the book in show notes mm-hmm. if you want to check it out, buy it, etc. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, Lisa, thank you so much. And I recognize that this was 100% biased, but I set it up front. And also, Greg, I'm so sorry I never did that thing for you. Greg, email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. You also probably know Lisa's personal email. It's going to happen. She's oh, gonna I, think sh- time, I think that was a hotmail at that time. Oh, I remember hotmail. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm and, <laughs> and with that, everybody, have a great day. Life, Life is, is abundant. abundant. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know, you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.